Welcome to Chevron's Lock, the Stargate podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Jess. And I'm Melanie. We are doing a quick mailbag episode tonight to just go through some of our emails and respond to them in a way that is more suited to the podcast format so that we can actually discuss what you guys have to say to us. And we're pretty excited about it because we love getting your emails. Yes, it is a delight. Every time we get an email that pops up, because all three of us are logged in into the Gmail account, so we all get the notification at the same time now, and then we all immediately text each other like, oh my god, we got another email, did you see? So if for nothing else, you're creating a spark of five-minute joy within us every time you email us. It's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess we'll just go, there's enough that everyone can read one, and then I think we have one or two left over. I guess we'll just go in order of what's in the inbox right now. So the first one is from Vera. All right, so Vera says, hello, girls. I am so grateful for this wonderful podcast addition to the SG1 uh, Sam Jack fandom and that you three take your precious time to create this very entertaining content. It literally makes my day when discovering that a new episode discussion on Spotify is up. I mostly hear it when I'm riding to or from work by bike and it plasters a huge grin on my face listening to your rants on the episodes. I enjoy everything about it. The fun facts, your enthusiasm, the character analysis, the details you notice and share, like questionable tactics, strategics, and that kind of stuff. The shippy parts you always care to point out meticulously. Yay! The explicit language and phrasing. Don't ever hold back. Oh, we will never hold back. Don't you worry, Vera. Uh, the seriousness and the humor. I'm hooked and now can barely wait for the next episode discussion. They make me fall in love with the series all over again, and it's so refreshing and intriguing to get three additional viewpoints and impressions on the series. Again, I truly appreciate that you take your precious time to create this content. Thank you very much. Oh, and also thanks to you for the tip during Emancipation Review, where Jess pointed out, that's me, out that there was a hint to the whole mysterious what happened on P3X595 with Sam's situation in the book Sacrifice Moon. This actually triggered me into reading it. While I before kind of skirted around this one, not sure if I wanted to give it a try, I actually liked it, despite the hint, oh, despite the hint kind of remains a hint, and way too little to none Sam Jack shippiness. Take care and lots of love from Berlin, Germany. And that's Vera. Guys, Vera, girl. Yeah, I wish, I wish we could like screen. I guess we could have screenshotted it. All three of us were just like grinning the whole time. Like I looked up, and all of us were just like, "Yeah, this makes us warm and happy." <laughs> I really appreciate that we have fans who care about what we're what we're saying. I also love that she mentions that she likes the details that we notice and share because. We try to like find the balance of talking about some of the details that are a little mm-hmm. off or not quite right without being like super ridiculous nitpicky because otherwise we could just do like a two hour episode picking apart tiny little things every episode. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're finding that balance. Yeah. And I'm glad that you're into the whole, you know, phrasing and explicit content because that's what we're really here to bring to the table. I think above all else uh, is explicit content. And humor. That's what we're here for. And I feel like shippiness too. A oh, little bit. oh, and shippiness for sure. Shippiness is a big one. I feel like when we first started this, we, I think in the back of our minds, we wanted to remain a little neutral. Like we were like, oh, this is a ladies podcast, but we're not going to be all shippy about it. And then like the first scene Sam and Jack had together, we lost our damn minds. I'm pretty sure <laughs> someone yelled to like have sex on the table. So I'm- Pretty sure that was you, and I'm pretty sure Chelsea and I have kept our cool most of the time. I feel attacked. I feel accused. We 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 support you. (laughs) There's no way that we can match your level of enthusiasm. Exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we just quietly <clears throat> nod our heads and agree with you. <laughs> so yeah, Vera, thank you very much for your email. Uh, that made all of us like super gush and happy and we super duper appreciate it. Also good on you for riding to work on a bike. Yeah. I also mean, guys, Berlin. Cool. Cool. That's super freaking cool. We got people listening in Berlin. I've been there once. Oh, Chelsea's too cool for us. Mm-hmm. I'm just really excited that we have that I know that we know for a fact that someone actually like looks forward to us yeah. posting a new episode. I think <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's just like us who look forward to it sometimes. Like, oh, it's Thursday. We get to like tweet about a new episode. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like I said, thank you so much, Vera. We super duper appreciate it. All right. I'll read Carrie's. All right, go for it. Okay, so this one comes from Carrie, and it starts, Just wanted to let you all know that I'm really enjoying this podcast. I started watching SG-1 when the Sci-Fi channel picked it up in season six. Sci-Fi had new episodes, plus they were rerunning the first five seasons, which made it a bit confusing at first until I had watched the first seasons. Since then, I'm not sure how many times I've seen all the episodes, but I did, I did another complete re- rewatch last year and enjoyed it once again. I've been looking for a Stargate podcast for a while and tried a couple, but never found one I really liked until now. One that was recommended and had good ratings, but was way too bro-y and had too many dick jokes or references. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a prude, but 8 to 10 per episode, it was a bit over the top for me. Plus, the sound quality kind of sucked. Are y'all fans? Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Are y'all fans? Carrie's just dropping some shade over here. There's no name, but mm. are y'all fans of Stargate Atlantis or Universe? I I watch them all and am in a Stargate Atlantis mood these days when I want to watch a show that I call my comfort TV. Anyway, just wanted to let you know I'm a big fan and look forward to the podcast being around for a long time. That's awesome. This is awesome. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah. That's really great. So I've seen like four episodes of Atlantis and I have not seen any of the universe. And I'm looking forward to in about five years when we get around to Atlantis and universe, watching it for the first time, basically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, To answer your question, Carrie, um, I've seen seasons. I've seen basically four and a half seasons of Stargate Atlantis. Um, How many seasons are there? Five. Five. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, no, I was giving her a hard time like. Why won't you just finish it? If you've seen oh. <laughs> yeah, why'd you stop? You had a half a season to go. No, I had a season and a half. So you've watched three and a half? Seasons? Three and a half seasons. Three and a half seasons. My bad. I've seen three hey, and a half six seasons. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so tired. It's so punchy right now. So uh, yeah, so I've seen up and I've seen about uh, I've seen until the episode where Sam basically confirms in a deleted scene that she's wait that she has a man waiting for her at home. Um, and, and then, then the only scene that matters. Yeah, basically. And then I stopped there. And then I've seen like the first two episodes of Universe because I tried to watch that before I watched Stargate, and I was just confused and I didn't really like it. And yeah. So that's what I've seen in both of those. Chels? I have seen one episode of Atlantis and none of Universe. Yay, Chelsea and I are like in the same boat. Yeah, I I mean, I'm a pretty newcomer to the fandom in general. So I've been so deeply invested in in SG-1 that I haven't really gotten into the other ones. But I, like Jess, am looking forward to getting there. And I might 
watch them ahead of time before we get them so that uh, it's not just a, a first watch. But we'll we'll see. We we do hope to be around for a long enough time to get there and talk about it. That is the plan. Uh, Chelsea, you want to read one from Ed? Sure thing. We got two from Ed. Mm-hmm. Oops, I'll read the, the... We've been going from more recent to... Do you want me to read the Emancipation one first? You pick whichever one you want to read. <laughs> this is for you. I would just this read his... This is your time. I would read his first one first and then read the Emancipation. Okay. Uh, greetings. I was introduced to your show by another podcast, Walking Through the Stargate, which... Podcast shout out. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. And thought I'd tune in. So far, I've only made it through the first couple of episodes, but I'm enjoying the analysis, meta-analysis, and the banter. I have to say, it's such a pleasure listening to three women talk about the show. As you pointed out, it's usually a bunch of guys that get into and talk about a show like this. So it's refreshing to hear a different perspective and take a step back to observe things in the show that are usually overlooked amidst, as you described it, a sausage fest. (laughs) One of you was describing how one of the things that made you disinterested in the show at first was the military aspect. I appreciated that perspective because the show was a big deal in my household growing up because my dad was an Air Force major. Additionally, he was an aeronautical engineer. Wow. So cool. That's so awesome. Ed, that's awesome. Uh, As such, during any and every episode, he would provide commentary on all of the military and astronomical details. So I guess I had the opposite experience. That's totally cool, Ed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your dad is the bomb. I don't think anyone says that anymore, but I just did. Hey, I say it. You're, you're in good company. Okay, okay cool. Uh, in these earlier episodes, you noted discontinuity in details, such as O'Neill versus O'Neill with one L, Tyler versus Charlie, Abydos being close versus in another galaxy, etc. This is a phenomenon that has been of interest to me for the last several years. This show might be taking place during the last years before this phenomenon took hold and became a significant paradigm of our time. That is, this obsession with such strict continuity is a new phenomenon. In the ancient world, there wasn't much concern over differences in narratives between stories with the same source, even up to the 19th and 20th centuries. Wagner's ring cycles, Das Nibelungenleid, maybe Vera could help us with that, and the Vossling saga all share the same story, but execute it very differently. Having taken the time to think about these things, I'm much more forgiving in these details in film and television before the 21st century. It's fascinating how different 21st century film and television are from previous years. In any case, I apologize for my pedantry. It was more an interesting thing on my part that I wanted to share with you. No need to apologize. I think that is a fascinating observation. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true because continuity didn't used to mean anything. I mean, Mm-mm. there were some longer stories written by people that they personally cared to have continuity uh, I think that right, like Tolkien was pretty. I mean, he had his world. Tolkien had his world very specifically laid out and was pretty consistent with it. But even when you look at like Arthur Conan Doyle went all over the place with Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. you can find all <laughs> sorts of discontinuity in there. And yet, that's one writer with the same source. And yet, we expect perfect continuity on TV shows that have like thirty different writers and right. more if it's a really long running show. And and so. It's definitely it's definitely a shift in the way that we consume media. I feel like I definitely am more forgiving of like uh, plot inconsistencies than I am with character inconsistencies. So even if you have thirty different writers, your character should have the same traits. I don't really care as much. Like me personally, I don't care if they get like I know in the early seasons before they had um, 
a lot of the military advisors, they got a lot of the like the uniform uh, SG-1 got a lot of the uniform stuff wrong. Like they would have like the insignia or the EPA, what they called EPA, whatever they're called. The insignia would be wrong for their rank. Um, that stuff doesn't bother me. Those are details that suck, but, or like the Abydos thing that doesn't really bother me, but having like the Jack of children of the gods versus what's a really good added. There's not really good added character, Jack. I'm I'm seeing here other than uh, as long as as long as your character is good I don't care as much about the plot inconsistencies but you're totally right Ed like this whole like focusing and nitpicking to the point of like killing a show is definitely a new phenomenon and it can be a little tedious well I think it I think it came around a about the time when binge watching started to become like a huge thing because you know you can consume so much television in like one sitting where you can like you know see the plot see the characters see every minute detail and then I mean you're expecting that every single time whereas you know before that you had to wait every week Mm -hmm. to consume it that's a really good point yeah it was harder to keep track of it was harder as a fan to keep track of those details and so and you're a lot more forgiving anyway because you just didn't have that expectation but yeah when you sit down to watch a tv show in like three sittings instead of over the course of a year mm-hmm. or years if you're watching a multi-season television show mm-hmm. it, it really it really does change the way that you watch it i mean even going back and watching shows that i remember not feeling that way at all when i was watching you go back and you watch friends and it's like their birthdays are just whenever it's convenient. Like they want <laughs> yep. to have a birthday episode and their ages kind of bounce around and their past bounces around like when they met each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whatever, because when you're watching it, it's just... It is what it is. Well, and and you're right, Jess, that when the, when the characters stay somewhat consistent, although Friends is not exactly perfect at that, but still the, the characters are at least moderately consistent, then you can forgive a lot of those details being off and even when I go back and binge watch friends I'm not like oh man they did the birthdays (laughs) wrong it's like (laughs) crap you were talking and it reminded me of something and I was gonna say something and now I don't remember what it was and I'm so mad at myself do you know how often that happens to me when we're actually recording our podcast? That's why I don't have anything ever to say. Because I'm like, y'all are talking, and I have an idea, but y'all keep talking, I'm like, my idea's gone. We were talking about plot and character. Mm-hmm. I said I agreed with you. I brought up friends. We're friends. Maybe that's something. We also that was have it. A to like write down what Thinking uh, I mean, we are friends. Good mm-hmm, job. Mm-hmm. Thank Way you. Go. Thank you. I made that dot. I oh I nope, that wasn't it. I don't know. Let's move on. <laughs> I what else you have to say? To you anyway. It doesn't have to be the thought you had. Yeah. What was the? What did you just have? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think Ed, the the punchline there is that we agree with you, and we will probably still keep pointing out some of those things. It's Not just on. fun. It's just fun for me to point them out. Yeah. Now it doesn't bother me that, that they've shown up. I just... no. You just remind me. I was gonna say it will kill a show for me if I see too much of that. Like if if someone will like if I have to read like you know how at the end of like the Stargate Wiki there's like the goofs uh-huh. section. 
I just want to be like, who cares? Like, I get it. Like, I know, it, I know it matters for some people. I just want to be like, eh. oh no, that wasn't my thought at all. I remember now. I remember. I remember. I I wonder why why don't shows hire the same writers for the entire series or the entire like why do they rotate through seventy different writers? I mean, I guess you get writer burnout. Yeah, well, and writers will get other opportunities, I think, is a lot of times what happens. I, I I don't work in the industry. I could reach out to friends I have that do, but they, from my, my understanding is that there's so much input going into that. So you have like the studio, you have like the network, then you have the directors and you have the showrunner, who's usually one of the writers and the showrunner will assemble a writer, writer's room. But a lot of those people will be like, even sometimes interns and stuff that that come through and you'll get spec scripts that then you hire them to come on and write one episode. But I do think that in the modern era, there is a bit more of a trend to have a semi-consistent writer's room. Uh, At least I've noticed that a little bit more. But also I've heard that now some a lot of showrunners, the more dedicated showrunners, the ones who are maybe more invested in the show will write the show Bible that like has all mm-hmm. of the character details like this is their birthday these are their parents names those kind of things so that any new writer on the show can have access to that information pretty easily because otherwise those mistakes are very easy to happen because the showrunner might know all that stuff and a couple of the other writers might know all that stuff when you get someone new coming on in season three they're not going to know all of those things even if they've watched it they may not know all the details super specifically so I do know that you brought, you brought up a show Bible. I do know for a fact that Battlestar Galactica actually had a show Bible. Ron, Ron, uh, Ron Moore. Ron Moore, thank you. Mm-hmm. Ron, Ron Moore uh, basically already had it written and everything for all the cast members like to give out like the day that they were cast. So That's cool. It just feels like, yeah, like in a modern day when like, I feel like the, it doesn't really apply to SG-1 as much just because it's an older show. But for at least for modern shows because this is the phenomenon why not just hire on okay you're our core three writers you're gonna like plot out everything and then hire essentially ghost writers to fill in the gaps or like fill in your filler scenes basically yeah to kind of reduce that inconsistency I do think I do think that happens now I also just think that and because you guys have said this to me when I get too caught up on the on the inconsistencies and details of like don't let that get in the way of good storytelling and so sometimes writers have that opinion too of like you know, we decided a fact five years ago and now it gets in the way of where our characters are going and we're not going to we're not going to let it get in the way of good storytelling. So if it's in the pursuit of good storytelling that you just decide to neglect an older detail or fudge it, I that doesn't bother me as long as the as long as the path to get there makes sense. Yeah, kind of like how remember when the Zat guns when. You shot them once to stun, <laughs> twice to kill, and three times to make the body fucking disappear. And then they realized that was like a kind of a catch-all situation. And it was like, why don't we use the Zach guns for everything? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, just kidding. Now one, two, three, stun. And then when it's necessary, they'll kill. And when it's extra necessary, it'll disappear the body. So, you know, you make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you brought that up, and now I, I've always wondered, so, like, 
So Jonas uses the Zat gun a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was always wondering, I was like, so does he just shoot them and want them to fall down? Are we shooting to kill them? Like, what is the point of you having a Zat gun? I like the idea of Jonas being just like such a puppy and like not knowing that like two shots kills. And he's just got a trail of bodies behind him and he has like no idea. He's like, no, I stunned him, guys. But no one tells him. But no one tells him. <laughs> <laughs> no one tell Jonas, okay? It's like Ender's game. Exactly. Oh, God. Spoilers for a 30-year-old book. Yeah. <laughs> Man, if, when you, I, if you haven't read it yet, yeah. you now know the ending. Man, when I finished that book for the first time, I read it in college. I got to the end. I was sitting in my dorm, and I literally threw the book across the room. <laughs> I was like, are you shitting me? See, my response to Ender's Game, I remember reading it and knowing that there were sequels, and I was like, oh, I can't wait to read the next one. I can't uh-uh. wait to read the next one. Then I finished Mm-mm. it, and I was like, I think I'm going to read the next one. Nope. I finished the finished it and then wikied it, saw there were sequels, and then while I was wikiing it to find if there was more books, I read about the author and I was like, no, thank you. One was enough. I'm not going to lie. I didn't read Ender's Game. I watched the movie and I okay. got so mad at Harrison Ford. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> Why did you, you get mad at Harrison Ford? Because it was his idea. The Mazer Rack. He plays Mazer Rackham, right? Yeah. What do you mean it was his idea? To trick Ender. To trick Ender. Oh, I thought you were talking about like the the story itself. Oh, I was no. like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, he was in the movie and he tricked Ender into doing it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm on the same <laughs> page with you now. I was like, what are you? I was like, why were you mad at Harrison? I don't don't worry. Chelsea knew where I was going. <laughs> yeah, I was it's not fun. on the same page. I did yes. read Ender's Shadow, which I love. Was that the second one? No, it's um. So it's like a parallel book telling Bean's story instead of Ender's. Oh, and interesting. It's actually really good. I almost prefer it to Ender's Game. Interesting. And Bold words. I have an idea for a story. Uh, honestly, I mean, I guess I could write a fan fiction of it. This does not have to be in the podcast. <laughs> of writing. So Ender's Shadow is basically Bean's story, and Bean is like the backup chosen one, right? Like, um, the almost chosen one. The and Neville to the Harry. Exactly. And I want the Neville version of Harry <laughs> Like the yes. Ender Shadow version of Neville's story. Especially the seventh year when he's like taking charge at Hogwarts. I want it. I, please make it happen. I would read it. <laughs> but not J.K. Rowling. But not, I was about to say, as much as I love her, I need her to step back. I need her to step back. The thing is, I feel Don't like worry, I was she there was reading you. something that <laughs> Thank took- you that took place at I don't know it could she would just make she's made everything worse and and here's the thing this is so not on topic here's the thing about JK Rowling though is it's like she's not a bad person no and I don't even blame her like especially if she wanted to come out and say well I didn't do big gay characters and I didn't do this and that because I was a starving author and I wanted my book to sell and Mm -hmm. like I'm like I'm sorry that's the reality of it and I mean, because a, a lot of authors have kind of said similar things, like even what's his name? Who did Percy Jackson? Like his first series. Oh, uh, Rick, 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 yeah. Rick Riordan. Rick Riordan, like he's st- like, yeah, he he tackled learning disabilities and stuff. But then once he was popular, then he was like, I'm just going to throw Drop everything it. in here. Yeah. And, I mean, she's she's well-intentioned. I think she's yeah. misguided, but well-intentioned. Yeah, exactly. And also she gave all our money away. Which yeah, I mean, cool. at the end of the day, she was like the most, one of the wealthiest authors of all time. And she gave over half of her wealth away 
to the Scottish welfare system that she once depended on, like, yeah. or charities related to, I don't want to speak out of turn, yeah. but uh, she re- she relied on welfare growing up when she was struggling and she totally gave back. So yes, she's got her problems, but I do think she's well-intentioned. I do. But there's also a reason to have Harry Potter tattoos and not J.K. Rowling tattoos. That's fair. Just like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't have Richard Dean Anderson tattoos either. Yet. Um, yet. Uh, <laughs> I, did I oh, yeah. Them? We'll see. <laughs> All right. Oh, Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. So the, the, you can oh. keep this in the podcast. You can take it out. It's up to you. Uh, you're the editor. I'll let you decide. So I was talking to Melanie today. So one of the guys that I was going out with for like two dates. He, I had text him today and say that like it wasn't working, like no good for me, whatever. And I don't know what I was. Oh, I told Melanie that you know. I sent oh, you a gift. Yes, Melanie sent me a gift of Virginia Anderson, and she'll probably send it to you in a second. And it's him. I think it's he's as MacGyver, and he's yeah. doing this like tongue thing. He's being ridiculously hot. His tongue is just out. It's out for public consumption, and um. <laughs> And I jokingly was like, I need to find me a Rich Dean Anderson. And so uh, I joked and I said, my my Tinder profile would be like just a girl looking for her, her Richard Dean Anderson. And Mel goes, I dare you to make your profile picture like that. And so I updated my Tinder profile to say just a girl looking for her Richard Dean Anderson. <laughs> so hopefully. <laughs> See, his tongue is just out. Uh-huh. All right. So there you go. Hopefully yep. that mm-hmm. helps you get guys who are like Richard Dean Anderson. Exactly. Or who at least know who he is. Yeah. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Sorry, Ed, we just derailed your entire no, email. Totally. You have more paragraphs here. Uh, on RB. To the next, yeah. On another subject, this is Ed, not us. Yes. I loved O'Neill and Kowalski getting shut down for their sexism, but I was hoping the scene could have gone a bit farther. That is, not just discuss Carter's extensive qualification, but I would have liked Hammond to point out how inappropriate, counterproductive, and childish childish their reservations were. It would have been a nice touch for Hammond to say something like, Excuse me, Colonel, but I will not tolerate this juvenile behavior in my facility. Carter is just as qualified, if not more qualified, than you are to participate in this operation. So if you can't find a way to move past your prejudice, I will replace you. I don't know. What do you think? Ed, do you write fanfiction? (laughs) <laughs> if not you should make it happen uh i wholeheartedly agree with you on that one ed i i loved that hammond low-key had carter's back uh i think it was appropriate for the circumstances but there was also a part of me that really wanted someone to shut it down and and like yeah carter stood up for herself but after she stood up for herself, it would have, I think, been appropriate for Hammond to be like, you guys are being children. Knock it off. Yeah. Yeah, Sam Handler has left pretty well, but I definitely can see what you're saying about Hammond stepping in after the first or second time that Sam had to say something. Yeah. He finishes up saying, I'm also surprised you all hate Daniel so much. He's my wife's and my favorite character. Why do you dislike this character so much? And I'm just going to finish the email before we tackle the Daniel thing, because that's going to be a minute. In any case, I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. Thanks for your time and best wishes, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Ed. We like you a lot. Yes. We, we have We have chanted your name many a time. <laughs> Not in a weird way. Why did you laugh at that? 
Have we done that? Haven't we? <laughs> like, yeah, it's not weird. Not in the weird way. The way that you said that made it weird. <laughs> Y'all are making it weird. Why is it weird? Listen, both of you, pull it together. Ed, there is platonic appreciation happening on this side of the computer screen, okay? I mean, we have, I, I know that I've said Ed multiple times that I can't wait till you catch up so we can get more emails from you. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, no, we, I said I liked him. I just wasn't chanting his name. I mean, not like, I was like, we were, we were moaning his name. I just said that we were just saying we, Ed's name got brought up a couple times. Jeez. Please cut that. Please. This is going to make Ed so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I say we keep it. I love it. Right, We're here not... to make our listeners informed but... and uncomfortable. But <laughs> to get to your question making at you hand, blush in Ed. Your workplace. About you say, why... Making you blush in your workplace. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we hate Daniel. Why? Go, Mel. I mean, we haven't really gotten to why I hate Daniel yet, so like, I really don't want to answer it yet. I just think that he makes stupid decisions most of the time, and then in their reckless decisions that get people in trouble. And like I said, we haven't gotten there yet, so there will be a more in-depth analysis about that later on. Yeah, uh, I will just generally say okay. that um, for the most part, and this is kind of like a general rule for myself, I do not enjoy morally... Um, Characters who are there to morally foil the main character. So like any character who's coming at a problem from what I would consider like a moral high ground or um, yeah, I, I just find that an exhausting conflict. It's the same. I don't like Gabrielle and Xena and get uh, Xena warrior princess. I, I cannot stand Gabrielle. Her whole thing is like, Oh, no fighting and peace all the time. Except for when it suits her. Why are you making she fights? I know she, I know. And then she, it's like I said, when it suits her and Daniel, I feel is sometimes the same way where he has his morals, except for when it suits him. And I just find it exhausting to have him foiled against Jack constantly. It's just, it's not always a fun experience for me as a viewer. Yeah, I agree with that. I do. I do think Daniel is a little self-righteous at times and I, I don't hate Daniel. He's not, he's not my favorite character, but I mean, we'll get into it more uh they're they're definitely and i have already said this i've said that one of my frustrations with daniel is that i feel like he's put into situations he shouldn't be in he has no business being on a frontline team for most of the things they're doing or at least if they were going to do that they should have given us the audience some indication or even the character some semblance of combat training because Mm -hmm. otherwise there are so many times and this is one of the because usually when I, so when I was watching this first time, I was texting Jess and Melanie about it and they would be like saying how much they hate Daniel. I was like, why do you guys hate Daniel? And they're like, they didn't want to skew my v- version of him. So they're like, just wait, just wait. We just tried. Wait. But I would be texting me like, why is Daniel on this mission? Like, it doesn't make sense if you're se- when you know specifically that you're sending people through the gate for a very combat specific mission when they're going to do rescue, there are sometimes where they're on earth and they're like going to do things that are specifically combat. And it's like, why do you need an archeologist slash anthropologist here? 
because I guess you can make the excuse in universe of you never know when you're on another planet if you're going to bump into another culture and need Daniel to help you try and uh, sort through conversations with them. Mm-hmm. But on Earth, then there's absolutely no excuse for Daniel Mm-mm. to be there. So I, I I get frustrated sometimes with his placement. But in general, I like him as a character mostly because I think he's the person who, at least in the first four seasons or so, gives us the most personal moments with the other characters. Like if Daniel's in a scene with someone, you're more likely to get like nice personal character moments with those Mm-hmm. And so because I love character moments like that, I at least appreciate Daniel and his more emotional character driven perspective on things at first. Yeah, I agree with that. Even though I don't like Daniel, I do think that he 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 serves a, a general purpose. I'll begrudgingly give him that, I guess. I feel like my first like big Daniel rant is going to be Tormented Tantalus because I remember that being the first episode I was like, fuck this guy. <laughs> like, you're dead to me. Like, no way. So if you want to know my first rant, uh, Tormented Tantalus is going to be, uh, I've got a whole couple pages blocked out. Yeah, I'm going to jump on real quick. Um, I do think that maybe Daniel was possibly, you know, kind of on the team most of the time in wrong situations because... The more I think about it, the more I think he's there to like, I don't want to say check and like checks and balance Jack, but he's the only one that seems to always be like, hey, maybe we should do this or hey, maybe we should do that. And Sam kind of like gives her a little like Jack will look at Sam and Sam will kind of give her a little advice. But it's usually Daniel who's the one who always speaks up rather than anybody Mm -hmm. else. That's something that I was thinking of as Chelsea was talking about Daniel. Yeah, he's not bound to like the military aspect of it he's really the only true civilian like even though uh tilk isn't like u.s military he's still like a warrior he's still jaffa um so yeah i guess daniel's the only one who kind of feels like he can speak out uh as a civilian without any kind of like military repercussions but that's also why it's so frustrating sometimes yeah yep right we'll, so yeah we'll we'll get into that more as yeah, we get sure. there ed i i hope you still like the podcast even as we get more aggressive against Daniel. <laughs> I certainly understand why people like Daniel and relate to Daniel and find him an interesting character. Like I, I get it. I mean I don't understand it, but sure. I, I do. <laughs> I mean, he's like the Captain America. Ugh. Ugh. I, <laughs> that might be why I don't like him. <laughs> another any like I said, any character that any character that starts himself or herself on that moral high ground, I'm already just like, mm, all right, the world's not black and white. Sit down, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ed, my man, that was the first email. Uh, second email. Chelsea, I read the second email. I read the last one, but I'm happy to read it again. Why don't you just finish out Ed's second email? Hey, ladies, I just finished listening to your episode on emancipation and you really nailed the analysis of it. I Thank aligned- you. Yeah. I agree. I think we totally nailed that episode. We did. I align with your sentiments on the episode and I've always been disturbed by it. I have two daughters and I hope to avoid showing them this episode ever, but I do look forward to introducing them to this series and hope that Carter can be someone they look up to. I love how her character develops and how balanced she is as a person. She can be super alpha dominating her opponents with incredible grit and resourcefulness. Her role in death knell was fantastic. 
She can mm-hmm. also be very gentle and beautiful, consoling friends or slapping on a dress when she wants to turn heads. She is super intelligent, designing starships and building time dilation devices. However, it always bothers me in later seasons, despite finding her footing as a character, there are always other characters ogling her. Avenger 2.0 is a struggle. Felger! <laughs> yep. And she and others seemed to just shrug it off and move on. I wish anyone in any one of those episodes would at least be like, Felger, stop that. Act like an adult and look at Carter with some respect, not like Candy. It reminds me of how often women generally have to deal with crap like that, and it really bothers me. I'm at least glad that they didn't take on the Roddenberry approach thinking that they need to have eye candy on the team. I suppose that's one of the things that bothers me about Taylor in Atlantis. But also your comments about the sexual tension between Jack and Sam, especially in the first episode, had me in stitches. Just have sex on the briefing table already. In any case, sorry for the rambling. At some point, I'll catch up in the episodes and be able to bring up things that aren't months old. Thanks for the laughs and the good, well-rounded commentary. Cheers, Ed. Ed, that is not rambling. Have you listened to our podcast? We we would never, ever call that rambling. We'll show you rambling. (laughs) I just want to say before we start discussing, uh, Ed, your point about how, like, the Dave the Roddenberry approach and how, like, Sam is such a well-rounded character... I, as much credit as I do give to the writers, I want to like a hundred percent give credit also to Amanda Tapping, uh, just because one, I'd like to, and two, I think she deserves it. I feel like if she hadn't spoken up just based on the, the interviews she's given at cons and stuff, I feel like we wouldn't have had the Samantha Carter that we had. So I am definitely thankful for Amanda Tapping for giving us like the real Samantha Carter rather than what I think maybe the original drafts of her would have been. It sounds like from the interviews that I've seen and heard her do that it was much like Taylor and Atlantis where she would like wore like a like a halter top mm-hmm. kind of a thing with like combat boots and you know uh, BDU pants and she'd run around like that. So much appreciation to yeah. what happened for like stepping in and being like, no, I'm like one of the guys. Like, mm-hmm. give I'm me a tea. Exactly. I'm supposed to wear what they're supposed to wear. Like, yeah. Yeah, I also think that there's, a, I, I don't know specifically on this one, but I also think there's a function, part of this is that when, when Amanda Tapping went to them and was like, no, I'm going to be wearing the same thing as the guys, <laughs> that ultimately that ended up working out for them because they brought on the Air Force consultants and the Air Force consultants would have for sure told them like, no, the women wear the same things as the men. You can't have mm-hmm. her wearing that. Uh, but they kind of skirted that when they went to Atlantis because they were no longer U.S. Air Force and they were no longer wearing U.S. reg uniforms. And so, mm-hmm. and I mean, the, Taylor's character is a whole other ball game anyway. But mm-hmm. but, but even on um, even on SG One, Teal still generally wears the uniform. Yep, um, they do discover tank tops in the later <laughs> in season six. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I. I do, I do agree with and appreciate how much Amanda Tapping stood up for that character and how much it probably changed the course of the show. Uh, yeah, and it feels. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You. No, no, no do you? Do you <laughs> say your thought. Uh, I was going to say that I, I love that you said that you loved how balanced she is as a character because that is something that was for me growing up was super important that I. I remember the first character I ever, a female character that I ever watched and was like, I like this character. Cause I, when I, when I would watch TV or read books or anything, I always wanted to then 
be the boys in it when I was acting it out because they had all the cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And the first character that I remember wanting to be was Ellie from Jurassic Park. And it's because she had like she was a badass and she was smart and she was awesome, but she like loved kids and was super sweet and caring. And it wasn't like you could you had to pick between super feminine traditional female roles and maybe doing and then like being a otherwise doing maybe more male things like science and which you know for the record those are not like gendered our, our gender roles are dumb mm-hmm. uh and so i i really appreciate carter and i wish that my family would have had sci-fi um or showtime as a kid so i could have gotten to know her sooner but i really appreciate that about her i know i think when i first started or when i first finished it and just first started it I think I told her multiple times that I had wished that I had found the show in a high school because I think if I had had Sam Carter as like a kind of semi role model, I guess, from a television aspect, it would have, I don't, I don't want to say changed my life profoundly, but it would have changed the direction of my life more than likely because it would have shown me that I can be smart and be, you know, tough and kind of do whatever I want rather than I had to choose if I wanted to be smart or if I wanted to be a jock. I couldn't be both in school, so I had to choose. And so, like I said, I feel like if I had found her sooner, I would have been able to realize that I could have both. Yeah, I feel like sometimes, uh, I don't want to like generalize and say men don't listen. I'll just say like people don't listen when women are like, it's important that there be a certain kind of representation of different kinds of women because it does impact. I mean, I am, I grew up, as a bookish nerd who went on to be a lit major, love school, know it all, super bossy. I literally grew up to be Hermione Granger because in the second and third grade, that's the book that I got. And I latched on to Hermione and I like modeled a lot of my personality after that. So when we say it matters about the female characters that we're seeing on screen, whether that be for women or for people of color or whatever, pick your poison. It matters what stories we're seeing. Um, yeah, and and I totally agree, Mel. If I had Sam Carter in my life a lot sooner, who knows what would have like, like you said, I'm not saying that I would have gone on to like work at fucking NASA or something, but <laughs> who knows? Like maybe I would have. The thought would have been in my head a lot sooner. All this to say, guys, we see Amanda tapping in like less than three weeks. And we're going to look into her beautiful eyes and try not to gush and say all of these things at her in the 30 seconds that we have to take a picture with her. So it's really important that we get it out now so we don't make damn fools of ourselves in three weeks. Yeah. No, that's going to happen anyway. So oh, whatever. Totally. totally. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Felger is frustrating. I Ugh. I love funny episodes. Like, I... I love the funny episodes that they do. I don't mind Felger's character in terms of him being kind of a a normal... I mean, he's still brilliant, but being a more normal scientist, like, I think it's funny. The episode is... in, But I, I just want to say this for the record. I don't have any interest to see male fantasies. Nope. Until, like, no... I don't need to see Felger's fantasies of making out with Sam or her attacking his girl, like his girlfriend. Yeah. I just and do it, and then like watching Sam and the girl and that what's her name fight on the floor, uh-huh. like 
like they're in a fucking jello pit it's just like like i get it like it's his stupid male fantasy but sam carter would never do that never and I don't think that that other woman would either. No. And and also, I think that men have this, not all men, again, like, I think, honestly, people, because when we say, like, men, I know women who are just as capable of falling victim to some of yeah. the stereotypes that exist about women as as men are. And so I think there are people that genuinely think that all women are, like, catty mean girls. Right. And, and like granted teenage girls can be really difficult but so can teenage bo- teenage boys are the worst but um <laughs> like teenagers are difficult it's a difficult age yeah there's a reason that we like sequester them and try not to let them get into too much trouble or do anything permanent but i i derailed my own train <laughs> <laughs> but there i there are women who think that that's how women there are men, plenty plenty of people who think that women are that way but the reality is that women aren't as jealous as we are often portrayed in media i mean if when i see another woman who i who reminds me of me i'm not like immediately like going all alpha bitch on her like don't stump on my territory i'm like hey be my friend (laughs) like when i see another when i if i when i find a nerd jock i mean like us finding each other it was like hey we're all like super nerdy and kind of jocks and weird like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like no you can't be a nerd too that's my my thing Mm -hmm. and and even when i see like strangers on the street who have short hair like me i'm like immediate best friends i don't know your name i'm not gonna talk to you (laughs) but i like you you're rocking the picture short hair is my thing yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, uh just to totally piggyback on your thought. There so I was listening to this um My Favorite Murder podcast, which I highly recommend. I know I'm like ten thousand years late to the party and everyone in the world listens to it, but I just started listening. And they have um a new book out and one of their chapters, one of the girls talks about how like if you're the girl who like only has guy friends because you just find it easier to get along with guys and you think all women are like uh you know i'm not here to make friends like that kind of thing and you just stop and go get therapy first because you have some internalized uh, misogyny you need to deal with and then you can come back and read this chapter and it made me laugh so hard when i read it i was like man people out there be like that though no well and i i i I remember i used to like consider it a point of pride when dudes when guys would be like oh you're not like other girls and i'd be like Uh yeah other girls suck and then as i got older i was like stop saying that that's lame like Mm -hmm. it's gross guys were growing right and i'm seeing it at younger ages now like teenage girls who like don't put up with that crap anymore and so good job teenage girls we're we're making progress i'm proud of yes as i there's a long way to go, but I do think there's progress being made. Yeah. And the fact that, like, just to circle it all back, the fact that Amanda Tapping, like, took a chance on her career in the show, like, this was, like, her real big break. She could have gotten herself fired for being too, quote-unquote, demanding. She took a chance, and it really paid off. And I know there's, like, now not just the generation of girls who watched her when it was airing the first time around, but now all of these new girls and guys who are watching and seeing like what a good well-rounded female character looks like so 
Yay, Amanda tapping. Yes. And it does make it, Ed, yes, doubly frustrating when they backslide on that in the later seasons. For sure. Yeah. It, it is. You mean the whole the whole engagement thing? Is that what we're talking well, about? that's now? a whole separate <laughs> thing. The whole... Oh, boy. Those seasons. Oh, <clears throat> Yeah, I also feel like we tried so hard. Like on our little intro pair, uh, intro episode, we were like, you know, we don't want to come at this as like, even though we are women, we don't want to come at this as like angry feminists who are like trying to tear down Stargate or point out all the terrible things. It just so happens that the first five episodes are horrific, and like not, and like you cannot ignore them. You can't just be like oh that's how the late 90s were it's like no all right we gotta talk about this because it's not cool but i mean we're not tearing anything down no 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 no, no. but people take it that way we're taking hot takes we're doing hot takes hot hot takes that uh that need to be said that need to be said because no i mean there might be some dudes out there that, that have the same hot takes but I guarantee you that we probably have the hottest of the hot takes. <laughs> and we are the hottest of the hot takes. <laughs> Am I right? What happened? Yeah. So that was all of our emails. Am I right? Yep. We have yep. one from, I'll just, we have one from Neve. Well, if she's Hispanic, that's Nieve. Nieve? Nieve, Neve, tell us phonetically how to say your name. Please email us, RB. Uh, I'll just like, it's just super, super quick note. She just said, hi, I've listened to the apps and I'm really loving what you're doing and your commentary, especially the salmon jack shipping and the RDA hotness. You guys are awesome. And I just wanted to read that out loud because I am so pleased to see somebody else comment on the RDA hotness. (laughs) It's nice to know that I'm not alone. And thank you. I mean, I didn't say you were alone. You know where I stand. I just need you to be more vocal about it sometimes. I feel like I'm on an island. <laughs> Richard so Anderson much. is very attractive. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The whole cast is pretty attractive. Yeah, no, it's an attractive cast. The... Mm-hmm. I mean, y'all have y'all surprising. seen? We talked about this already. Chris Judge. Yes. He's yes. a good looking man. I also think it's funny that they didn't let him grow his hair until Brad Wright went to do Stargate Atlantis. And then the new showrunner for Stargate SG-1 was like, yeah, I don't care. Grow your hair. Because <laughs> there was really no reason that he couldn't grow his Mm-mm. hair other Mm-mm. than just aesthetics, I guess. Um, just to add on, since you read the other email, I've gotten a couple, I mean, I'm not going to read them, but I've gotten a couple like um, messages on Twitter about people, oh, loving, you? people loving the podcast and stuff. Yeah. Did I say Twitter or Tumblr? I don't know what I just said. <laughs> Black out on your own your own (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, guys, we seriously need only give out our social media handles and stuff. Like we do that because we actually do want to like not just like hear praise, though that is nice, but we do want to like engage and like get your feedback and talk about the episodes with you. Um as much fun as we have talking about it amongst us. It's also nice to talk to other people about it. So, like I said, when we give out our social media handles, we super do mean it. Please reach out if you are so inclined. We're not going to ignore you or leave you on read. Uh, we'll respond, I promise. I mean, I'm not always the best at responding, but I will try my best to respond. Melanie will leave you hanging. Okay. <laughs> I'll try not to. Okay, I'm the only one making promises. I promise. 
Well, well I don't I'm, always check my Twitter is the thing. Oh, I said Twitter. I meant Tumblr. Or That's Tumblr. what I meant. Oh, okay. Tumblr okay. I check more frequently. Yeah. If you if you hit me up on Tumblr, I will definitely get back to you. Twitter, it, I will. It just might take a bit because I don't always check it. Yeah, I'm it was, never on Tumblr, so. It was, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, that was our first mail episode. Hopefully we'll have more. Yes. Yeah. Ed, we're counting on you. <laughs> and anyone else who would like to say And other people. That and other them. people. I would like to solicit any other Daniel supporters out there to give no. us your takes because it's going to be real lonely for me. Oh no! To defend Daniel. To these Look, two I'm just waiting until we get to season five. That's a when I can like, when I can like really get into the Daniel. Yeah, I I I feel like when we get to those episodes where where Daniel <laughs> is harder to defend, I'm gonna have to be like full public defender. <laughs> <laughs> like your honor, my client of- deserves a defense. <laughs> Even though I agree with the I prosecution, agree. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to dig in deep in those law books to find something. I know, I know. I have. I. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I grew up in a family. I mean, my dad and my brother are both lawyers, and so you're used to taking up for the um, well, the helpless causes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And also my dad, like, if you guys think I'm bad about being like devil's advocate, sometimes my dad is the worst. <laughs> He's so bad about it. And the thing is, he is not adversarial about it. He he just wants to have a conversation and he thinks it's interesting to hear both sides. So, so that's, that's kind of how I'm used to it too. Like, cause I don't generally, I mean, unless it's something I'm super passionate about, in which case I won't play devil's advocate for the other side of something I'm passionate about. Right. But for the most part, I can have a very like pleasant conversation, a discussion about things, but I've discovered that some people find that off-putting and unpleasant hey. at times. So you tell them to go fuck themselves. <laughs> All right. Are we done? Yeah. We so- finished. Yeah, uh, thank you for everyone who emailed in, who has been tweeting, who have been messaging on Tumblr, who've been sending what I assume are, uh, what are they called? Calling pigeons, pigeon doves, what are they called? Uh, Tweets? No. What are you saying? You know. Carrier pigeons? Carrier pigeons! <laughs> Mel was on my wavelength. Singing like I male hours? So, we... There's a wave of carrier pigeons heading our way with uh, rolled up scrolls of craze. Um, if you haven't sent a carrier pigeon, but you really want to talk to us, you can find us at chevronslock7 on Twitter or chevronslock7 at gmail.com. And you can find me, Jess, on Twitter at proftenant um, on Twitter. What I just said, said uh, or on Tumblr at Professor Tenant. Um, you can find me, Melanie, on Twitter at Melanie Martian, M A R S H A N, or you can find me on Tumblr at My Stupid Dumb Flyboy. You can find me, Chelsea, at Cahils on Twitter or Pianosa 2 to the Fighting Ape on Tumblr. And since we don't have a closing clip, I think we should all just say, Close the iris. I think we haven't said it in a long time. It's time. You said it like last episode. (laughs) We did. We We did. We did, but it it didn't record. Oh, was that the briefcase? Guys, I'm sorry.
so well, pissed about for that. posterity's sake, I'm saying it now. Close the iris, and we'll see you guys next week when we talk about Brief Candle.